Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Sabi Sima Era podcast here on Spidey-Dude.com, powered by the Spidey Dude Radio Network. Before we get started, we've got to thank our friends over at Patreon.com slash Spidey Dude Network. Finkman, Scott, Greg, Kale, Phoenician, Georgia, Cindy, Jessica, Catherine, Kegar, Laura, Master Dramon, Ed Reynolds, Allison Farquhar, Vicky, Scott, Janelle, and Vanessa. Thank you guys for your support over on Patreon.com slash Spidey Network. What do you get if you're over there on Patreon? Well, you're going to get some exclusive podcasts with the Spidey Experience, going to get the exclusive Books of X podcasts, as well as the video version of Voices from the Eerie, a Gargoyles podcast. That is going to be the home for all the all the video episodes of that particular show moving forward. So if you haven't checked it out, go over there, become a $5 patron and up, and you get to have access to the full Patreon page. But if you just want to support us and give us a buck, we got $1, $5, $15, and $25 tiers. The higher the, the higher the tiers, the more perks you get. So check us out over on patreon.com slash Network, And be sure to join our Discord. Go over to spidey-dude.com, click the Discord link at the top of the page, and it will take you to our Discord. Join us where we uh, have discussions, and every single show has its own spot on our Discord. So thanks for listening, and we will see you on the next episode. to the Spectacular Salvage Thema Era Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Chris. I'm here with Leo and Drew. Drew is doing filler for Web of Spider-Man number 55 before we get to the Spectacular Spider-Man, Spectacular Salvage Thema Era um, issue of our podcast, which is Spectacular Spider-Man number 155. So Web and Spectacular, I think, have concurrent numbers off by 100 issues going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is kind of weird, which, which is indicative of current Marvel Comics, if you look at their legacy numbering and look at the regular numbering, like Avengers 47 is aligned with issue like 847 or whatever number they're up to. Yeah, it's odd. Yeah. Didn't they like restart Amazing at one time and uh, then like revert it back? What's that? Multiple effing times. I mean, (laughs) we're about to launch Venom number one again after issue 200 came out. Legacy numbering 201. I don't understand why they don't just go to 201 with the new creative team, but no, they need a new Venom number fucking one. Well, because number yeah. one sell more, right? Oh, no. Comic book stores <laughs> said that's Marvel and DC's bullshit answer. And they sell more for five seconds, and then it's like issue number two. Sales drop right back to what they were before. Yeah. So, uh, it, absolute it's bullshit. A- it's so fucking bullshit. It's, it's just... Absolute stupidity. If you ask somebody like Donny Cates, why are you relaunching like Hulk number one? He's like, why do you care? Yeah, it sounds about right if you've, if you've read his Twitter. He's never happy with fans who question him as a writer and just like, who sold, who sold many copies? When 875 of Amazing Spider-Man comes out in a couple, in a couple weeks, which it will be, really be a couple weeks, the end of the, the whole Kindred storyline, and then 875 mm-hmm. kicks off the uh, Peter gets really badly hurt, we don't know why, and Ben Riley returns to replace him as Spider-Man. 
It's issue 876, or whatever the current numbering happens to be. 75 is going to be the kickoff. So eight, So issue 74 is legacy numbering 875, the end of the Kindred Spencer story. You know what I mean? That whole Kindred thing with Harry, it's done. Then issue 75 of the ongoing, which is 876 of the legacy, begins the Ben Riley returning of Spider-Man era. Did everybody get that? He's not going to explain it more than once. So just follow that, kids. I, 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 might, need a, I might need a refresher. What I'm trying to say is they're not relaunching <laughs> Spider-Man back to issue number one. <laughs> no, listen, I, I, I have got so many Spider-Man issue ones in my collection. I just, I'm unfazed by it. It's just like, oh, Spider-Man one. I was like, who cares? All right, let's get on with Showdown and the final part of the Gang War storyline in the end of, well, at least one of the Lober brothers. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, yes, and let me just say thank God, because if this kept going anymore, I'd be like, okay, I'll shoot them myself. Uh, so, uh, Web of Spider-Man, uh, issue 55, published October 1989. Uh, writer Jerry Conway, uh, Alex Saviok is back again as the penciler. Keith Williams is the inker. Rob Sharon is the colorist. Letterer Rich Parker, the editor. Jim Salakrep, and of course, the editor in chief is our favorite Tom DeFalco. Uh, continuing, actually, correcting, concluding this Lobo Brothers versus the Kingpin War storyline uh, showdown. Uh, we see that the war between the Lobo Brothers and Kingpin is just getting worse and worse. The Lowe brothers are in full-fledged werewolf form, pulling some American werewolf in London-level shit in the middle of Times Square. Spidey, of course, shows up to try to save lives and minimize the violence. But, of course, all he does is save a bunch of people from a fiery theater marquee. Because what a way to go, death by movies. By stereo. Exactly. And, of course... <laughs> Uh, in saving people, the bad guys get away, and Spider-Man is guilty. Big whoop. Uh, naturally, he sees his his BFF, Mr. Nick Katzenberg, taking photos because he's Jonah's golden boy right now because he makes that gosh darn wall-crawling menace look like a jackass. Right. Um, uh, by the way, I was at GameStop today, and they had the J. Jonah Jameson 90s Spider-Man packaging action figure out now. Oh, God. And it comes with a uh, cup of coffee and a copy of the of newspaper that says Spider-Man Hero or Menace. <laughs> nice. That's that's that that's convenient. If, if it was a if it's a fake cigar that you could throw at people, I was like, wow, that's pretty that's pretty accurate. Um, we see more of the Glory Grant. Can't believe that she's in love with the Wolfman stuff. Uh, the Arranger. You know what, Chris, Chris, we'll get to that at the end. Um, we see the arranger is basically realizing that his job security with uh, the kingpin is, if it's not on thin ice, it's doomed. Because he's the one who started this whole thing because he arranged the botched assassination attempt, which we thoroughly covered. A.K.A. two wolves, a Punisher, and a Spider-Man, and a pool. Check it out, kids. It's really great. The kingpin is back. He tells the arranger... Uh, who he basically threatens, uh, because he pulled a gun on him out of surprise, to set up a meeting with the Lobo brothers. Uh, one convenient construction worker, since we're still rebuilding since the last attack, hears this and finds it interesting. Why? Because it's the chameleon. Because him and Hammerhead are still trying to get everybody dead so that they can basically seize control for the Magia. And that, again, kids, is the Marvel version of the Mafia, because we Marvel could not afford the mob 
uh, wanting to take out Marvel Comics because that's just way too much heat. <laughs> you have Nick Katzenberg and Peter Parker are competing with their uh, who gets the the front page, and the the vote goes in. Katie Cushing says, "If you pick Nick's, I quit." And Jonah's like, "God damn it, I'm the editor. You can't tell me which photos to choose." All right, Parker, we're going with yours. Joy Mercado says to Pete, hey, you got to talk to Glory about this stuff. But of course, Peter tries to talk to her. Um, he is horrible giving relationship advice because his life is perpetually in shit. Ends up with cliches, which is the opposite of what he wanted to do. And then goes to see an apartment in Hell's Kitchen, which is about as abysmal as you can imagine. Of course, Peter's little pep talk brings up the cousin no one wanted. Again, Miss Bulimia, who we haven't seen in a while, who I've been told will be leaving after one of the issues we will cover in the future, kids. So, great. Can't wait to get her out of here. Uh, Spider-Man follows Glory and the Loba Brothers to what supposedly is going to be a, a, I guess, a gang peace meeting at Flushing Meadow Park at the site of the 1964 World's Fair. Um, we set up the photos because, you know, Peter's got to make that, that, that rent for the apartment he doesn't have. Um, the Lobo brothers basically say we can settle on peace. If you give us the arranger, um, before the Kingpin can essentially do that. Hammerhead's men come in guns blazing. Uh, the Lobo brothers accuse Kingpin of setting them up. Um, <clears throat> that's impossible. Eduardo basically puts Glory under a van and then transforms before telling him that he loves her because we have to have some tragedy there. Uh, Ed, Spider-Man saves the arranger from becoming lunch meat. Funny, lunch meat. Oh, thank you. Um, Just uh, remind arra- me of my uh, Jay and Silent Bob joke. We go on. Oh, nice. Uh, the arranger's gun, which will, if some people remember, will be contain silver bullets because we've got to keep it the horror movie theme, kids, uh, falls under the van near glory. Hint, hint. Uh, Spider-Man tries to basically convince the Loba brothers, don't do this. But uh, Carlos is like, this is pointless. While Camille and Hammerhead are just chilling, smoking cigars, saying, this worked out great. Everyone's going to kill each other. Fantastic. Uh, Carlos is knocked unconscious by Kingpin, who apparently tipped his cane with silver because he had a feeling that this could happen proving yet again that you can get anything customized in the Marvel Universe. Uh, Hammerhead's men are basically dead or unconscious. Why would they be unconscious? Normally, that is better. Uh, the king, ah. king decides it's time to go. The... Yep, yep, yep. Uh, Spider-Man's still fighting the Loba brothers, and then uh, Glory Grant can't figure out what to do. Uh, she takes the gun and she shoots and she unfortunately strikes Eduardo on the back, killing him as she holds him in his arms, in her arms. Uh, Spider-Man is ambushed by the angry brother, who is again knocked out with one punch because apparently now the little brothers are vulnerable. Before they were freaking invincible, but now we can just knock them out one hit. Uh, Eduardo dies. Glory is freaking out. And we find out that... Um, Glory is in a horrible uh, is a horrible shot because she was actually aiming at Spider Man. She was going to kill Spider Man over the wolf werewolf boyfriend. And if that doesn't make anyone feel worse, Nick Katzenberg has been photographing the whole thing because he wants to win back J. Jonah Jameson's love. Yeah, I think she gets over that pretty quickly because I don't remember that ever coming back up again as a big conflict between the two of them. Uh, once you love the monster, you know you're good. 
you get it out of you your know, system, right? I think I think Lawyer eventually, you know, one of the fastest recovering characters in the comics to get over that and realize Spider-Man wasn't responsible, but that her boyfriend was a monster, you know? He was a criminal. Yeah, it's just, you know, but we got to make it romantic and sympathetic and, you know, very almost Beauty and the Beast. Uh, it's very, it, it, tell me, very felt a very American werewolf in London, as I said before, right up to the point where, you know, the guy dies in the, the, the arms of the woman he loves or because she shot him. Um, yeah. It, it's, I, I'm also, you know, it, it reminds me of, uh, so, you know, Gloria kills her uh, boyfriend and it reminds mm-hmm. you know, he dies in her arms um, and she does have a bit of a time of mourning, but it's not nearly as bad as Betty Brant did when Ned Leeds died or oh, yeah. did it die? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he uh, was recently revealed to um, the goblin formula that he was injected with did bring him back to life. Or yep. never really died. Death-like coma. Which we should have seen coming. Yes, and of course, you know, uh, when, 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 when Ned died, Betty was constantly like, Ned's going to be here soon. Ned is my friend. Oh, you know, like really lost it, you know, um, really right. bad PTSD over the death of her husband. Um Years later, you know, she would date Flash Thompson for a while and then uh, mm-hmm. kind of go off on her own. And she just popped back up in the book, pregnant. And she was like, oh, it's Ned's baby. And Peter's like, oh, no, not again. She thinks Ned's alive. And then Ned shows up alive. And he's like, hey, Pete, what's up? <laughs> uh, yes. I, I just mm-hmm. want to tune in here. Uh, Drew, I think you're on to something because I just checked. And uh, at the time this was out, Beauty and the Beast TV show was winning America's Hearts. <laughs> Yes, sorry, Ron Perlman, oh. Linda Hamilton. Yeah. Yes, great, great, great series. One, that, wow, I, I, I didn't even realize that I made that connection. I was just going off the werewolf thing just because that's easy, easy prey, pun intended. Um, two, the first two seasons of that show were great, let's just say. <laughs> yeah, so it's always the ending that gets mucked up and that kind of thing. Yeah, um, Ron Perlman yeah, won but, the uh, Emmy for it. Yes, he did, and yes, he did. and rightfully so because he's a he's a genius. Yep, but, and he'll be uh, up. He'll be uh, returning to his beast his beast mode. Get it as the voice of uh, Primal on the uh, the upcoming Transformers movie. Can't wait. Yeah. But, anyway, uh, Gloria. By the way, uh, she she goes back a ways. We didn't cover this uh, when she popped into the book because she is a she's a minor supporting character in Spider Man, but uh, she appeared back in Amazing Spider Man issue one hundred and forty. Uh, she was Peter's next door neighbor. Yeah, and he addresses that in this in this comic. He he mentions that she used to be she's his friend and she used to be his neighbor. So yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and they went on a date once. I, I think we touched upon it briefly. They went on yes. a date to. Uh, they went on a couple dates. Usually in Marvel team up, they've been seen going on dates. But they went to the circus one day to, and uh, check out an act. And the Ghost Rider was there. Yeah, and then I remember one point her friendship or closeness to Spider-Man or Peter got her kidnapped by like Michael Morbius because again, you know, what better way to bait a, a male superhero than a, you know, a good looking female friend. Right. You but know. it was also a big deal that they went on a date too in the seventies. Cause it was a, you know, it was a time where you didn't see a lot of mixed race couple things, um, especially mm-hmm. in comics. And uh, with the exception of course, of the, the best mixed race couple of all time, which damn the Netflix shows for not doing it correctly. But um, Misty Knight and Danny Rand, <laughs> Yeah. 
did not do that. Well, we would, we would definitely need a, a better iron fist in order to do that, but you know, right. We, but we, I definitely would love to see that actress get a job on the Marvel cinematic universe because she was a damn good misty night. Um, oh, yes. Fantastic. And so pretty. Oh my God. Like just the first time I saw her, especially when she had the arm, I was yeah. like, man, this, this that was awesome. Great. Did you see what happened to her over uh, a couple of years ago during absolute carnage? No, I don't remember she was that. She part what of happened. the team. Uh, Misty Knight was part of uh, her and John Jameson were part of some team um, that you know was um, involved with the Dark Hole. It was in Carnage's book itself, mm-hmm. and Carnage needed her, John Jameson, and whoever else happened to be around the last time he was resurrected to help perform mm-hmm. the spell that would basically turn the Shriek into the hot demon goblin, so Carnage could bang her. And uh, he ends up, like, de-arming Misty, no pun intended, but, like, in the way that's probably, like, gee, that arm is probably connected to her central nervous system. So if it gets hurt, she's probably going to feel it because Carnage just rips her fucking arm off, the mechanical one. Yeah, yeah of yeah. course. But, uh, last yeah, time so- I saw Misty, she was dating, by the way, the Falcon. Huh. But, yeah, but basically this is just this was a great way to wrap up the story. You know, we've we've really watched everything progress to this point, and you know, it was just again, it it, it was one of those things where I just like it was there was no way that it was. I felt like it was going to end any way else. You know, you you were going to have a big gang war. You know, there was going to be a huge amount of deception. You know, a lot of action, blood, and carnage, and whatnot. Pun intended, yep. I guess. And it's just. It ended everything on on a good note, and I'm just so happy that there was not a single uh, panel wasted any on Christy in this entire comic because I'm so tired of that kid. Like, just get her out. Right. I know we won't. I know we won't see her again, but I just I'm so done. Like, anytime she's on, I'm like, oh god, why are we wasting ink? <laughs> just right. Put her, yeah, put her yeah. Away. yeah, she's not important anymore after this. Um, I've met uh, Alex Zubiak uh, a few times. Really nice guy. Great to have mm-hmm. him on the uh, podcast for a uh, when we cross over to web again coming up some point. I don't know if he does oh. interviews or not, but I'm sure he. I mean, I've met him a few times because he's done some DC work. Um, back in the day, he did some DC work for uh, Batman Eternal, so that's how I met him. But yeah, he was just like you said, Chris. He was a really nice, pleasant guy. I don't know if he does interviews, but that would be a great interview, like person to interview talking about that or this early work because i thought i thought he did a great job with right. this you know but yeah maybe why not you know i was looking yeah. at that um jamie d mateus um, i tried to get on um he's a little busy right now said for us to get back to him in august um and have a couple more okay. issues that were justice league infinity which is his current book right now uh the tied mm-hmm. the uh long-awaited sequel to the just you know the dc animated universe which we have going on with batman adventures continues um right. First issue out of the bat is fantastic, and they're touching upon a storyline that they never got to do, but became an animated movie called Crisis of Two Worlds, and we're actually going to be getting back to that a little bit now into that uh, Infinity book, which is great. So he'll uh, oh, he'll nice. put on splash pages uh, for us for that, and as well as Steve, oh, cool. who also worked on several various comic books or whatever. So, but JM said he'll mm-hmm. come on uh, spectacular at some point when his uh, tenure starts on the book. Very oh, nice. nice. But also, I just want to point out, I love one of my favorite moments in this. And I loved, I swear, I love, I really grew to really enjoy Jerry Conway's style because he always has these, these one or two in every issue. There's always these one or two little mini moments that are so, 
I, I don't know if like like it's like the 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 fetch version of Spidey. It's just so Spidey. Um, you have Jonah, and you have Peter, and you have Nick, and they're choosing the photo, and you just see jo- Jonah just like, oh my, oh my, and then you have Kate Cushing is just like, I'm gonna make this very clear. Okay, I will quit if you choose Nick's photos. Like he's garbage, and Jonah makes this whole big deal how you don't pressure or threaten him, and then eventually he just caves. And I just find that to be so, so funny. I wanted to point out that um, I don't know a lot about um, hairstyle. I'm not a big hairstyle person. I need to get a haircut. I usually keep my haircut very short. But uh, was the mm-hmm. flat top a big look for African-American women in the 80s? Uh, yeah, you had uh, uh, the woman that was in um, Conan. Yeah, uh, from Vamp in the James Bond movie. Yeah, basically weird oh, hairstyles were game. definitely anything weird in the eighties was was in. Yeah, she had that. She was sporting that hairstyle. Okay, so the, I guess maybe yeah, that's Grace Grace Kelly. Yeah, you're thinking Grace Grace, Grace, Jones. Grace Jones. Grace Jones. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. Grace, you're right. You're absolutely right. Grace Jones had rocked this hairstyle through a lot of the eighties. That must be where they base mm-hmm. Gloria's look on, because um, it's just it's yeah, so it like square, and I'm like. You know, Peter's got the mullet. You know, he's got the back end long hair, which he was—he's going to have through the '90s up through the Clone Saga. And Mary uh, Jane's going to have that wild, mm-hmm. crazy hair, and then eventually it goes back to being straight. <laughs> yeah, but the '80s yeah, was right? all about big hair, so it was just nothing, no, no bigger hair than a, than a bunch of uh, you know werewolves. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, and, and then. This apartment search, I mean, it's been like such a parody. I'm just thinking about it because I feel like now they're like first things first, Hell's Kitchen, that 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 apartment would have been modified, renovated, and just like people talking, oh, it's two hundred dollars over our price limit. I was like, more like try two thousand now. These these this day and age. Yeah, but New York was pretty shitty in the eighties. It was. Uh, I, have you been there recently, Leo? It's. I think it's start. We're starting to go backwards again. Kind of. Probably, but I. I remember uh, we went to uh, Florida, and I remember we drove through New York, and there was like, I remember like burnt cars on the side of the road. This was like on the highway, mm. going through like New York City. It was just. It was scary shit. Well, there's a reason we had films like Escape from New York. You know, people. You know, and that was before COVID. You know, now that would became a thing. So, uh, before we jump over to spectacular, I wanted to point something out real quick. In Stan's box, Stan has a, uh, and I think this is also in spectacular as well. Mm-hmm. Same month. Stan is so excited that Captain America is being filmed in Europe right now. Do we know what Captain America movie he is talking about? <laughs> uh, oh God! Yes, and he's just like, and Cap's first villain will be none other than the Red Skull. And I'm like, you know, I remember hearing about this before there was internet, and God, I was so so excited. And then you know, I I, I watched it, and I was a little excited for many years until I eventually grew up and was just like. Wow, did they mess this up? I, I felt the same way when I watched Don Lundgren, oh, no, Dolph Lundgren as the Punisher. I was like, okay, this is fine. And I watched it. I'm like, wow, this is horrible. Like, uh, I don't know. That Punisher movie, I think, holds up a lot better than people give it credit for. Well, no, I'm just saying it's like when I don't think of it as the Punisher, 
I'm like, okay, cool. Because I don't get me wrong. Like, and, golf and, and also, especially a big thing about that movie that I don't want to hear people complaining about ever again, any fucking more, is that mm-hmm. Dolph Lundgren, and I made the same complaint too, Dolph Lundgren right. never has a skull on his chest. If you watch both seasons of the Netflix show, the Daredevil show, and the mm-hmm. second Punisher movie with Thomas Jane, how right. often does he ever have the fucking skull in his chest? Not really much. No, and into the entire first season of, of the Punisher, he never did except for that one attack on his building. And then what mm-hmm. did he ever have it on in the second season? I only watched the first two episodes of the second season. I never got back no, to it. I, I don't really remember. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, and the Daredevil show, he had it in like the first episode. And then at the very end when he helps Daredevil out after because he's in prison most of the second season. Yeah. yeah. The but, Thomas Jane one was uh, his his kid had the shirt, right? And it was like yeah. the yeah, mm-hmm. it was like some uh, local. Uh, you know, he bought at a gift shop. Yeah, and they, that same guy that they bought the shirt from is the one who finds him washed up on the beach and heals him back to health. Yeah, you know, but I, I also want to point out just before we get to the spectacular, what an ending to just be like, I'm so sorry you had to kill him. I was like, I wasn't trying to kill him, I was trying to kill you. I mean, talk about awkward, like, oh, you're a really horrible shot. <laughs> you're not. Like, you know, uh, like, I'm sorry for me. I was like, I don't think we're friends now. You tried to kill me over, you know, Beast Boy. So, but uh, that, that water cooler time is going to be so much more awkward. Yeah. yeah. Hey, All right. Hey. Moving on to Spectacular yeah, with the time we got left. Uh, Spectacular Spider-Man 155 by our usual cast of creators, excuse me, editor-in-chief Tom DeFalco, cover artist, as well as penciler Sal Bas- Sema. However, Mike Esposito does the inks of this issue. Jerry Conway writes it, mm-hmm. as he did Webb. Colorist is Bob Sharon, letterer Rick Parker, and editor Jim Scalarup. Mm-hmm. We open up with Spider-Man sneaking into Lewisburg Federal Prison, although it's a dangerous situation. Spider-Man thinks about how his, the change of pace has been for the last few weeks after the Lobo brothers have uh, finally ended their gang war. And Gloria, of course, had to shoot her lover, which we've already talked about. Yes. Um, on top of the revelation that Aunt May only apparently has six months left to live, I don't remember that plot line happening. It must have happened over in Amazing, because that's mm-hmm. a dumb, dumb plot line, considering uh, that actually, I don't think that's actually her. I think that's Nathan Lubinsky. Yeah, probably. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I think Nathan has the uh, failed heart condition, and uh, which comes to an end for him in uh, Amazing Spider-Man during the return of the Sinister Six storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, Spider-Man is knocked unconscious, and uh, by Jonah, but sorry, by Robbie. So he's both betrayed by Jonah and Robbie during this whole this whole run over at the uh, Osborne Chemical Plant. Osborne is rebuilding his plant after the events of Inferno, and the Black Cat is spying on Harry possibly looking for Spider-Man. Uh, continue that story over in Amazing where she encounters Venom and gets a broken nose from the situation. Yeah. Uh, not very cool. Second person, I, th- say, I think it's the f- first or second person behind Sabretooth. To get, yeah, that's right. Sabretooth gave her a broken nose. Venom's given her a broken nose. And Dr. Octopus in Spider-Man's body has given her a broken nose. Yep. <laughs> Yikes. Wow. Uh, Spider-Man is all chained up and Tombstone beats the living crap out of him until Robbie stops him. Then Robbie and Tombstone begin their prison break as the gunships show up to break Tombstone out. Spider-Man tries to stop the both of them and Robbie finally stands up to Tombstone and the two of them perish to their death. The end. Robbie and Tombstone are fine, but we'll get back to it. (laughs) Yeah, just... uh, 
Like, I, I was just like, why do I look up to you, Robbie? Like, this entire time, he just, he's like, oh, no, I didn't want this. Like, what did you think was going to happen? He's going to, he's he's having you trick Spider-Man to come here. He's going to beat the bejesus out of him. And he's obviously paid off the guard, so they're not going to help. Like, come on. Like, this uh, this entire time, we just made, anytime Tombstone is, is there, uh, Robbie is a wet blanket. Okay, yeah. so the Aunt May thing happened in Amazing Spider-Man 320. In the next issue of Amazing, it's revealed it's Nathan who has the uh, failing heart condition. Okay. Um, uh, this is during the assassination plot line that this is going on. Yeah, and isn't he killed by the vulture or something? I'm trying to remember that, right? Yeah, uh, he uh, uh, the the vulture grabs Aunt May as a hostage, and Nathan like leaps up out of his wheelchair. You know, the power of love gives him the ability to walk again, and he jumps out of his wheelchair, grabs a hold of the vulture. The vulture drops Aunt May. And then uh, Nathan, like, holds on to the vulture or whatever. And then when Nathan falls, he dies of a heart attack. Yeah. And then later on, he he kidnapped me again, but it was just to apologize. Correct. So, when he was yeah. dying of, like, the, 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 the stuff that's in his flight pack is giving him cancer. Because everyone in the Marvel Universe has cancer. Did you know Aunt May had cancer, had cancer for a little while? And that yeah. plot line went nowhere and no way. Hey. I'm sure yeah. there's there's I'm sure there's people in in this world who would much rather glad that they was that They're like did you have cancer? Like, ah, no, <laughs> unresolved storyline. I'm good. Right, Abe had it in Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man uh, Volume Two when they brought that mm-hmm. book back after they canceled Spectacular again, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, that honestly they just did it, it just went to the degrees you thought it was going to. She's going to go for cancer treatment. She loses her hair. She's fine now. It's like, why did we bother writing this plot line if you weren't going to kill Aunt May off with cancer and have a big, like, donate to cancer speech at the end of the book? I don't get it. It was just so stupid. Yeah. It would have had more of an impact if they'd given um, Mary Jane breast cancer. Yeah. And I then- swear, if Mary Jane had gotten cancer like... like uh, uh, Thor, what's her name? Jane Foster had that would have been a huger impact than Aunt Frickin' May because it's Absolutely. like great. Aunt May's had a stroke. She's had a thousand heart attacks. Let's give her cancer too. She's been married like twice, and all three people that she's ever been in bed with have died. I'm I'm trying to think now. I'm like. Uncle Ben, Nathan Lebinsky, and J. Jonah Jameson Sr. are all wasn't, dead. And, Don't and, ever marry Aunt May. Oh, yeah, Doc Ock has also died. So four people that she has conceived with, you know. <laughs> wasn't she dating Jarvis at one point, too? <laughs> right? Right? That was the thing, right? And, and Willie, Willie Lumpkin, the Fantastic Four's mailman. Yeah. Who played by Stan later on, but you know, right? Um, so five people that she has been with. Oh, and don't forget the mobster she was dating before she married Uncle Ben. Yeah, he's also dead. Fucking the the, the true Black Widow of the Marvel Universe is on fucking May. <laughs> Seriously, every man that she has been with is either dead or gone because Jarvis isn't in the Avenger book right now at all. I read it. And- like okay where the fuck is he unless he's in iron man's book because he's technically tony's butler um i i I don't know and i don't read fantastic four all that often i'm gonna read the big 60th anniversary issue coming up because john romita jr is drawing it and he's returning to marvel so yeah which by the way um 